0: However, this evening we will continue our preaching in, in the book of Exodus, and we have now reached chapter 16, uh, and uh, tonight we will uh, treat the whole of the subject of chapter 16. Now, uh, I'm going to read it, So, and I'm not going to read it fast, but so if this is taking too long and you feel fatigued, uh, don't feel bad about sitting, just feel comfortable. the, the most important thing is... Uh, that you listen and not be distracted by pain or anything else. Uh, This is an important chapter. We're uh, we're getting to uh, the mid part of the book of Exodus where the Lord will meet his people on Mount Horeb. And and even today, as in our reading, we're going to see how the Lord is grooming and preparing his people to meet him uh, through a trial and through a a great mercy, a great help. He's establishing his character, uh, and he's making his people, the people of God are are becoming familiar with the ways of the Lord and the character of Jehovah God. So this is the word of God for us uh, this evening, beginning with the first verse of chapter 16. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread uh, to the full. For you have brought us out here into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather it, a day's portion every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they've gathered before, daily. So, Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke the whole, to the whole assembly of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of my people Israel. Say to them, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it each one of you as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more and some less, but when they measured it with an omer, whether Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some he left part until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was very angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it. Each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept until the morning. So they laid it aside until the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink. And there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather But they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, uh, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As, uh, as the Lord commanded Moses. So Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years until they came to an habitable land. There they ate the manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Now an omer is the 10th part of an ephah, as far reading God's holy word. All flesh is as grass and its beauty is as the flower of the field, the grass withers this flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And this is the word that was just read, and by God's help will be preached. Please be seated. <laughs> you children are very much aware, are you not? And you've had plenty of training that when you do something right. And the home, uh, your, your parents are pleased. They're very, they're very prone to reward you. They're very prone to treat you special and take you out. And you are also prone, and I think almost the, the word to be chosen is conditioned, uh, to expect some, some word of severity and uh, some, word, uh, some action of correction when you do wrong. And that is because the Lord made you a certain way. He made you with a conscience. And we know, even as children, uh, a good degree of what is right and wrong. And as we grow, we, we learn to make finer and finer distinctions. Israel is the church underage. Israel is like a child, just like some of you children. Israel has yet to learn the ways of the Lord. Oh, they have the knowledge of God uh By creation in the all men have a knowledge of what is right and wrong, but in the fall it was it was corrupted it was it was not wholly lost, but it was twisted, so that uh sometimes we are easily confused by, as to what is right but my friends as as difficult as it seems here, Israel had trouble believing that god was with them in the wilderness, even though he took uh, his manifestation there in the cloud, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of cloud by night. And even as he has over and over delivered his people from really uh, from very, very grave dangers, uh, we see the people uh, forgetting and fretting, and then beyond fretting, grumbling against the Lord. And this is something that is that is just so very wrong, because you know our parents they take good care of us, but the lord he he is good, uh, and uh all good comes from the lord and if anyone if anyone should know how to take care of his own creation and benefit his creatures it is it is the Lord to grumble against him is is a grave sin to grumble against your parents uh, is a grave sin, but Israel needs to learn, and uh the way we learn. Is largely through trial and error. Even if we sit in a class, and uh, the subject matter may be very intellectual and may be a form of knowledge, but we're going to uh, we're going to strive to understand that knowledge, and we will fail in some. But through trial and error, hopefully, we perfect. Here we we see the Lord dealing with his people, who had, he had just redeemed out of Egypt, and he's dealing. With them, very, very mildly, uh, despite the fact that uh, they were really ready to eliminate Moses and Aaron, and their their quibbling was really not against the church leaders uh, their Their problem was really with God; they just did not trust God if anything that comes out of here uh, for us tonight you you need to understand it if anyone asked you well if 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 God exists. How come there's so many troubles in the world? Just take them to this chapter here and show them the trouble exists because we're, we're terrible sinners. We're, we're ungrateful. We, we scarcely give thanks for what he's already done. And after we've received what he's, all the goodness that he's given us, we ask the question, well, what have you done for me lately? We are most ungrateful creatures. That's uh, the, the trial uh, that faces Israel. Now the context, of course, is uh, the most recent trial of water at Merah, and then the, the the beautiful scenery of paradise, uh, paradise restored in Elam, which was very encouraging. And uh, God's people had already grumbled at a, at a previous trial. And they were relieved. They, they, they received uh, the water in a very miraculous way, and so you'd think, well, you know, uh, the Lord, he he's with us, and the Lord, he, he, is, he is absolutely faithful to his promise, and he'll take care of us. Yeah, you'd think that they'd have plenty of confidence. But the question here is, have they learned? Have they learned, indeed, that Jehovah will take care of them? And the Lord provides a second trial. Uh, this one in, now includes uh, a meat. The trial is of, is of meat, quail and bread, which we can call meat. So the teaching for tonight, is that Jehovah's redeemed people are, are sinners. We're redeemed. So, so we're different from the world. We're, we're not Egyptians. We don't serve the idols of Egypt. Uh, but we're still sinners. We're easily provoked. And we grumble against the Lord uh, in trials. And uh, They don't have to be very extreme trials either. Uh, they can be as slight as dropping a hammer on your foot. Despite our sins, Jehovah graciously and he abundantly provides and continues to provide and care for all our needs. And so we must remember this. That's the teaching. We're sinners. God takes care of us even when our grumbling is against him, granting us an abundance. And then what remains for us to do? is to give thanks, but to do that we must remember. We must remember the Lord. Let's uh, look at the three points of the sermon here. Point number one is that Jehovah's redeemed people are prone to grumble against God in trials. And this is despite seeing Jehovah's wonders and uh, and his great help uh, time and time again. Uh, I know we're prone to look back and say, how, how could those nasty, nasty Hebrews have been so incredulous? How can they possibly not believe in God, having come out of Egypt, seeing the plagues against the place, and their deliverance, the Passover, uh, all the the, 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 the the shield that Jehovah was and in, in protecting them against Pharaoh's armies, parting the waters. Uh, that's enough, my friends, and that's <laughs> That's that's not even that's not even two months ago. Okay, all that happened not even two months ago, and they've seen all this, and yet they grumbled, which is uh, an act of great disbelief. And they grumbled against Moses, and Moses really was set before them, not because Moses wanted to be before them, but because God chose Moses to be uh, the leader. And Moses was so against doing that that he even even asked to please have Aaron speak for him. But they, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And they accused Moses of murderous motives. <laughs> no, it was, this is a plot. Really, your intent is harm. And I'll tell you what you really mean. You really don't mean us any good by this. You really want to kill us of all the absurd. I mean, you talk about conspiracy theories that fail. This is a failed conspiracy theory. They accuse Moses of murderous motives and leading them into the wilderness. What would Moses gain, my friends, by leading them into the wilderness? What, fertilizer? Is that what, is that, is that what Moses lacked? Dead bodies? My friends, consider it all joy then to, when you meet various trials. We have to flip our minds because their minds are carnal. What James says is when we're in trials, now is time to rejoice and to wake up and say, ah, the Lord has led me to this place. He wants somehow to prove his strength in my weakness. Now, every fiber of your carnal self, every, every strand of your sinful nature uh, wants to buck and wants to revolt and grumble. And if you could get a hand, your hands around somebody responsible for your discomfort, you would kill them. And if you don't believe that, let's just go ahead and read that section of this chapter first. Yes, murderous, murderous thoughts. All because you wanted something, says James, and you didn't get it. And now that you didn't get it, you're ready to storm heaven and take God down to the abyss. If you could just grab him, but he's too big. He's just too big. You should rather consider it all joy when you meet various trials. And sanctification and learning and growth necessarily involves trials. I've made the illustration before. Uh, growing in sanctification is a little bit like weightlifting. Nobody's going to get stronger uh, pushing the same weights over and over and over again. I mean, you'll be healthy, and you'll, you might be fit, but you're not going to get stronger. Uh, to get stronger, you're going to have to add plates, and that's how you get, you get more muscle mass, okay? Sanctification involves trials, so what you need to do is be watchful. Uh, because we're very prone to forget the benefits of God, even when they were most recent. Now, grumbling against God's biblical authorities also, you need to understand, is grumbling against God. Now, there is no authority uh, that is perfect. And Moses himself is going to show, show weaknesses and, and stress cracks and sin. Moses is going is is to be taken aside by God and not allowed entrance into Canaan. Yeah, he's a sinner. He's not... He 's not the ultimate savior that this church, that the bible is, is indicating, but still grumbling against the authority that God has set in place is grumbling against Jehovah God, and he takes note he he takes note he takes note of his flock, and uh some sheep are more meek uh, now they're sinful, but they fall in line a little bit easier some uh, are more dangerous so if you let them have their way, they may bite they may kick uh some grow fat, and they displace uh, the eating trough, the, uh, the, the the weaker sheep. They muscle their way in the church and have to have their way. All of that God abhors. Be careful then because Jehovah's redeemed people are prone to grumble, and so are you. So are, so are all, all, all of us. We're prone to grumble against God in trials. The second point is Jehovah is gracious and he abundantly provides for his people, his redeemed people. This right in the context of their grumbling. Again, parents reward good behavior uh, in their children. But the Lord is so good that he is, well, certainly he will reward good behavior, but he uh, will give us something and take care of us despite our sinful uh, grumbling. Now, this is more than just mercy. Mercy is the Lord staying his hand and not disciplining us, but holding back, and not delivering uh, bad. Uh, but uh, grace, this is grace. Grace actually gives us something we really hardly deserve. And Jehovah then will provide even more than he promised. He would. Uh, he had promised bread, uh, the manna of the wilderness to take care of them, but now he will give them also quail. And now quail, now that's quite a uh, that's that's quite an elegant little bird, actually, but we need to understand that God does more than we can ever ask or imagine and according uh to all his grace that is given us according to his kindness in the lord jesus and this manna continued to reign from heaven for forty years now that's that's another wonder isn't it forty forty years as long as they were uh, in the wilderness all the way until they came to their promised inheritance. Uh, Acts chapter 7, Stephen, as he has given his last, his last uh, monologue there uh, to the elders and the congregation listening to him giving his testimony, Acts chapter 7, verse 36. It was 40 years that the Lord kept up that wonder. Now, this is a supernatural provision, and it's a, 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 it's a daily provision. You know, a, a human uh, institution might say, what we're going to do is we're going to drop ship a million tons uh, of uh, milk powder in the middle of the desert, and we're going to do it once a week. And, uh, and therefore, that we're going to help these people. two hundred two and a half million half million strong. But the Lord does it on a daily basis. See, it's almost like he, he's caring for us. He's, he's a God who is near and he's attentive to us. And every day is a new day. Every day has different uh, trials. Every day has different circumstances. He's there with his people looking and feeding them every single day. Um, the manna that was there on the ground, uh, if it was not taken up, it would rot and it would stink. And it, it looks like it would grow these worms the worms probably came up. Came up from the, the ground itself, and the people would go out for six days, and they would gather this manna. And there was a double portion on the sixth day, and this double portion, the two uh, omers would uh, would last until the next day. Now that itself was was miraculous, as was was the fact that as they picked, those that were picked faster. Uh, got no more nutrition for themselves um, uh, at the end of the day because they had sufficient for their needs. And then those who were slower or weaker, they picked some, but their provision was enough for themselves. In other words, this was uh, this was uh, uh, a benefit that was tailored especially for each person in his covenant community, uh, and that is the care that the Lord takes of each of. Each soul in the wilderness, But Jehovah prepared and is and is uh, and he accustomed his redeemed, not only to uh, to to expect the Lord's help and to wait upon Him, but He also expect uh, trained him in this act, uh, how to worship before Him, and this uh, even before the law was given at Sinai, He is He is training them for. Uh, the new work that he's doing and showing forth a kind, of, a kind of new creation. Because in their coming from Egypt, they left a land that was a sort of a, uh, well, it was a sort of an old world. It was a sort of a, of a hell. Uh, it was a sort of a condemned place. And he was bringing them to a new place, uh, a place of restoration, a place of hope, a place where the Lord would dwell with them as in the initial creation. It, was a, it would be like almost like a planting. And so he was preparing them for a close association with himself, uh, as in creation, Genesis chapter 2, teaching them about a day where, the, where they were not to go about their ordinary duties, but they would spend time, and they would consider the works of the Lord. And by not working and having enough, this is how we are able to give glory to God, to say it is not my right hand that has brought me the victory. It is not the strength of my legs that has brought me uh, uh, the victory in battle. It is not my ingenuity uh, nor my diligence that has brought me success in my business. It is is by the Lord's blessing. And on this day, I will not work. Uh, I will simply trust the Lord to provide this day as he's promised and he will give me the strength, and I will draw near to God and give him thanks on this day. So they, he's teaching them already a precept of the moral law even before Mount Horeb, even before chapter 20. This moral law is moral because it doesn't depend on you being a Hebrew. God is to be worshipped uh, on every seven days according to that, uh, that schedule that he's, he saw fit after the six days of creation. It's built into uh, all humankind, that God is owed uh, worship, but as to the particular day, well, we're not sure. So the Lord is indicating that particular day to the people uh, of, of Israel here. Now, he also teaches them in this gathering of this manner that there's really no advantage uh, in, in disobeying God. If they go out and disobey the commandment, they're not going to find any manna. No, no manna on the ground on the Sabbath. The Lord is teaching us that, look, he means our good. He, He wants us to enjoy the things that he gives us and to take our delight and rest and confidence in the Lord. But if we don't, we'll soon learn that, hey, it's all in vain if I do otherwise. He's not going to give me joy. He's not going to give me strength. He's not gonna, I'm not going to delight in the good things that God gives me. In fact, I'm, I'm more prone to be a grumbler again. In other words, the cure for grumbling, my friends, the cure for grumbling is contentment in the Lord. The cure for grumbling is to say, look, you know, I know he's going he's gonna to provide. He's, he's, he's provided, always provided in the past, and so let's wait on the Lord. That is strong medicine. And that's what he gives us in the commandment, the fourth commandment, the Sabbath. We'll see that as it comes up. Uh, Manna continued to rain from heaven for 40 years. It was a sufficient provision for two and a half million people there in the wilderness. No one had too little. No one had too much. It was a constant provision. It was their diet. And it was really, besides the quail, it was their only diet. All the nutrition that they needed. Uh, The moisture was provided uh, by other places, you know, like, such as, for instance, the miraculous provision of the rock, and they would probably store the water and they poured it uh, as much as they needed. But all the nutrition that they needed, now, you you know a little bit about food and nutrition, what kind of food can this be? <laughs> I i know several foods that, when combined, make for a very complete diet. I don't know if it'd be cons- you could sustain yourself for 40 years on it. I'm told that you know rice and beans are very complementary, and that water, and you'll you probably live a very very long time. But what kind of food is this manna? It is called the, the 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 bread of angels. So the Lord knows; He knows; He's the Creator, and He knows how to sustain us in miraculous ways. Now, this manna continued until the very border of Canaan land, and they um, at that time uh, again. They entered into Canaan land and they ate of the produce that they did not plant. They did not sow, they did not water, they did not cultivate the soil. Uh, All they had to do was was receive it. Again, Canaan land itself was to be a a, a gift, showing that salvation is not by merit. Salvation is is not by merit. One thing I want to also point out here, uh, this was promised and so this again, is teaching the people, the, the children of Israel, the infant church, that if the Lord says something by way of promise, certainly will come to pass. We learned uh, this the subject was brought up in the adult Sunday school, uh, that he's, he's He's set on building his church. He said the gates of hell will not prevail. Uh, and so uh, we ought not to be taking up new measures, new methods, new styles of of worship that seemed to entertain and, and, and uh, would pander to, to men's uh, aesthetics or uh, the various fads of the day. No, we just do what the Bible says we should do, wait on the Lord, follow his ordinances, etc. Uh, uh, you Ask yourself the question, though, what do you think would happen? What do you think would happen in, in, in America, just in America, if every Christian, every Christian would keep the fourth commandment, that is to say, would rest from dependence on all that they were doing, including their works, by the way, the dead works, but truly draw on to God in faith with grateful hearts, and not only once or twice, but an entire generation for 40 years. What do you think would happen if a nation such as America would sanctify the Lord's Day in that manner. now we'd have a different nation. Just if the Christians did that. And that's exactly what happened in the wilderness, my friends. The generation that left Egypt was a mess. You can see them. A bunch of grumblers, idolaters, They're ready to kill Moses and Aaron. But the generation after 40 years of drawing near to Jehovah and being trained by Jehovah to depend on him and not on their own works, that generation that came into Canaan with Joshua was the glorious generation, the most, well, the best, the best generation In all of Israeli history, according to William Plummer, who was a southern Presbyterian of no small repute. They just were victorious and gloried in Jehovah, their Savior. That's, my friends, what confidence in Jehovah will do for you. And that's what Sabbath keeping is all about. Taking a rest and letting... To say, No, I, I don't need anymore. more. I'm content. The Lord has given me a, enough already. I have a supply for today and tomorrow. And I owe him much great gratitude. Jehovah then profoundly cares for you. Most wisely. To your particular needs. You will not have too much and you will not have too little. Most dependably. He is very trustworthy. And he teaches you and he trains you through trials, to obey him. And then he leads you all the way into your inheritance, and you will surely see your inheritance. You will gain in the kingdom matter which has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Not that anything your hands have built, but what God has freely given you as sons in his household. And that's the pilgrimage that we're on. And that's what kind of Gratitude, then, should we, show, should we show to the Lord week by week, as every week we are brought together more and more closely to that day of His appearing. Uh, we should be more and more grateful. We should be less and less grumbling. We should give the glory to God, because Jehovah is gracious. He is good, and He is abundant in His provision for His redeemed. The last point here is this, that we're prone to forget, aren't we? We're very prone to forget. Uh, again, the trial at Mara of a water. And uh, everyone turns bitter, a bitter root of complaining. But the Lord delivered then and the Lord will deliver here and the Lord, the Lord will continue to deliver his people from every evil. And so the problem is that we are, for some reason, uh, we don't want to remember Hey, this is not a hard lesson to, to remember, folks. How could you forget the parting of the sea? How, how, could, how can you forget all of these Egyptian chariots scattered around like broken toys? No, it's not a matter of being unable to remember. It's a matter of not willing to remember. And this is the first thing that we need to confess, is that we have not returned unto God much benefit for what He's given us. But to help us, my friends, God establishes a memorial. And that's the third point of the sermon. God cares for His redeemed. The care that God gives to His people needs to be memorialized. And here a homer filled with manna is kept in remembrance. That was the homer. It's a standard unit of measurement. It says so here. It's a tenth part of an ephah. However, that standard measure of unit is sufficient for the rich and the poor, the young and the old, every provision personally and as for a nation was uh, was was filled uh, by the manna that reigned. It wasn't just the manna that was put in there, it was just the manna that was placed in the homer, okay. And And so and this became one of the articles in the Ark of the Covenant right under the mercy seat, right under the seat of sprinkling. It's a memorial, and the people would always remember. The high priest could uh, always go in there and say, yes, I'm telling you, (laughs) I saw it with my own eyes. It's still as fresh as the the snow on Hermon. It's still there. It has not rotted. There are no worms. This is a miracle. God is with us. This is a testimony, my friends, not only to God's power, but to his faithfulness to his promises, to his abundant care for his people, lest we forget. And the people forget very, very easily. This is a, a very important thing we need to take home. Now, Jehovah gives us ordinances for our own good. He's established his worship on the Sabbath. This is, again, so generation to generation will proclaim uh, the the glorious name of the Lord and all of his wonderful, wonderful deeds. He gives us ordinance in preaching. He gives us ordinance... And singing he gives us ordinance uh, of the baptism that we saw today, where we remember that the Lord is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that the waters are waters of regeneration and uh, of the union that is spoken to uh, by promise, and it 's the seal of his authority that he's yet with us, just as the Homer of the manna is proof that God is yet with Israel, so also the seal the seal of a sacrament is 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 a proof that this gospel is the one that is, that is affirmed by Trinity. Jehovah gives us ordinance for our own very good, and we should always thank him for the continual reminder because we need the reminders. We need that, we are, have, we've, that we've been delivered from death, we're saved, we're being saved week by week, and we will be saved. That is salvation. Salvation uh, means that you are, you have been saved when you believe. You are being saved because you are t- continually turning, uh, repenting from evil and turning to God and that you will be saved because God will persevere in you uh, by his by His precious uh, promises to you. He will be with you to the very end. So repetition in ministry is most necessary. Um, Jehovah's redeemed are are sinfully able, very apt to forget even the greatest wonders, even, even marvelous things that the Lord has done. Now, Egypt didn't forget their, their, their spoliation. Egypt was still licking its wounds back there in the, old, in the old country. But Israel can't seem to remember the Lord's works and the marvelous redemption. Let me conclude this by way of summary. Jehovah's redeemed uh, are guilty of sin when they grumble against him uh, in their daily trials. But despite sin, Jehovah graciously uh, and abundantly abundantly provides for all our needs. We must remember his faithfulness, his loving kindness to us day by day, and to give him thanks. Now, my friends, uh, Paul writes a a thing that should cause us to some concern because he learned the secret of contentment. And uh, as for his ministers and for his policy, he, he says, "Well, you know, with food and clothing, we we're, we're content. We're not naked. We haven't been forsaken. There's no. We're not subject to shame. Um, we're warm and we're fed, and that's that's good enough because for now we're waiting." We're waiting for our inheritance, a very glorious inheritance uh, with our Lord in heaven. We must learn the grace of contentment. And one of the great things that help us uh, onto this grace of contentment is the Lord's day. Because here in the Lord's day, the, the Lord's people sing psalms of thanksgiving. And it's very difficult, my friends, to be about grumbling when, uh, in the same mouth, you are uttering thanks to God. What, what kind of a creature are you coming down the aisle grumbling and going out this aisle uh, giving thanks? It just it seems just, it just feels unnatural. And it is unnatural. And so when we come together on the Lord's Day worship, this is a memorial for all that God has done for us. And it is a memorial of his great redemption in Christ and raising him from the dead. And that's why the church gets together on the Lord's Day, because this is the day that the Lord has distinguished above all days, the day of his resurrection, the day of new heavens and new earth. I mean, he's, he's, he's bringing about a new creation and removing the Hebrews from Egypt, and in Christ he's bringing about a new creation with all uh, those who believe on the Lord Jesus, his regenerate people. Now, my friends, as, as you pray day by day in the Lord's Prayer, be very conscious that this is exactly, this is exactly the... the uh, The context of the Lord's Prayer. You're asking the Lord to give you your daily bread. He visits you daily with with your homer, you see. And uh, he will give you what you need. Not too much. Not too little. And you should be very confident at the conclusion of your Lord's Prayer. And You can say amen. Now, if you're not confident, don't mock the Lord in saying amen. Repent before you finish your, your prayer. Uh, and admit to the Lord that you are not confident that you're just lip syncing, and get it right. But we need to get it right uh, because we need to confess our dependence on the Lord and His faithfulness. He's taught us. He wants us to know that to know that He will take care of us, and so He teaches us how to pray. Now, my friends, Jehovah, the Lord, He gives you much more than you your basic necessity. Uh, we're we have. We have more than enough. We, we are filled, and uh, we have much better food than even quail. And so we can be very thankful, and we can be generous in our gratitude, in our worship, in our service, in our strong sacrif- uh, sacrificial service to the Lord. Now, all this makes sense to those who have seen and tasted the goodness of the Lord. And I don't need to remind people uh, that know that uh, and have tasted that the Lord is good and uh, that his mercy is everlasting to those who fear him. Well, if, you, if you don't know this, then seek the Lord with all your heart to call upon him and remember his promises, that he is a God who is ready to forgive sin, a God who is ready to deliver you from every kind of trouble. He delights uh, to act quickly to, uh, to spare you from danger. Uh, But uh, if you do know this, then, my friends, uh, it is because the Spirit of the Lord rests on you and that you belong to uh, that company of the redeemed that uh, is being fitted and has already gained uh, much advantage, uh, much knowledge, uh, much strength in the way to your promised land on the way to Zion, on the way to heaven. You can see that this is uh, the Lord's doing, and he's the Lord's work in you, and it's marvelous in His sight. He's building, he's building a memorial, a temple, a, a church for Himself. And uh, as such, the response, my friends, is gratitude. The response to all of this is, is gratitude, because the, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting to those who fear Him. Now trust Him for that. Trust Him for redemption in Christ Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Your sins will be forgiven. Believe that He is the Son of God, crucified for your sin and uh, raised from the dead for your justification, ascended into heaven so that you might be prepared through union in Him uh, to have a marvelous, marvelous inheritance. This is the Lord's doing, and let us give Him great thanks. And praise him on you. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that we have a God who is better than the best parents, uh, who knows how to bring us up as children. We confess, Lord, that of ourselves, we, uh, we are, are very, very uh, difficult to tame and difficult to lead. Uh, we, Lord, uh, are stiff-necked. We don't see the work of the Lord clearly. We forget all the goodness, all the good things you've given us, and we're prone to grumble. We pray you would again forgive us. We don't want to be this way. We want to be those who believe that you are in our midst, believe that the homer that you give us day by day is sufficient, and on the sixth day, the double homer, uh, to relieve us, Lord, from the anxiety of the following day. Make this work plain for us, Lord. Uh, help us to be witnesses of your faithfulness to your church uh, in this age. Uh, and would that all of us, Lord, gain more and more dependence on you and more and more gratitude and see the arm of the Lord. And then bad news will not disturb us. And uh, uh, many, of the, uh, many of the things that are very disturbing in the world today would not steal away our joy but we would be confident even in the day of trouble. Now, Lord, we pray that you would do this for your own great name's sake and give our souls rest today for sure. Bless all who have come to worship, and may they make good of the double homer that they received yesterday. And they, may, they, may we be known, Lord, as a satisfied, a contented, and full people, because we are yours. For your name's sake we, we plead in Christ. Amen.